Coming up on the Twilight of Velocipodcast. Some people have actually sent me messages saying they're sad about that, but I think I think uh, C. McBee is going to be better overall. I was walking today, and I realized what Velocipodcast could have been. Because really, each episode is either one or two or sometimes three little topics, and it's all relatively random and stuff. It's just talking about stuff. I realized what I kind of want to do is make tiny mini podcasts. I thought, ah, oh, tiny mini podcast is a great name. And I thought, ah, oh, I could do a tiny mini podcast. So basically, you record what I do now. And instead of doing segments, you just release a tiny mini podcast every day. And the more I thought about it, I thought, this is a great idea for how I do everything. I should just do tiny mini. But then I've already committed to so many things. It just doesn't make sense to start a new thing now that is just this, only broken up into little pieces. But I was, I was wondering like how that would... like Because if, if you care about stats, and if you make stuff, you kind of do, because the whole point of making stuff is in the hopes that people will watch it or listen to it or, or whatever. And I, was, I was thinking, like, I release one a week, and I get X amount of downloads. But if it was Tiny Mini... I could release like two or three a week and that would double or triple my downloads. And then would people get annoyed? I assume not because lengthwise it actually might just be the same thing. It's still only going to be 20, 30 minutes a week. You just get it in like bite-sized chunks. Uh, I will not be making a tiny mini podcast as Velocipodcast does go into the twilight of its time and gently fades into, fades out of, fades out of existence. And C. McBee becomes the bread and butter. If you have not subscribed to C. McBee, a couple people have actually recently said, hey, I subscribed to C. McBee. You know, it's good. It's the, it's, it's the same. It's got a slightly different structure. Uh, part of me kind of went, well, like, if you've been listening to Podcast, and I say I'm making this other thing, why didn't you subscribe when it was new? But... I get it. People are, are stuck in their habits and stuff. I'm going to have to do a last episode where I basically tell people, like, this is the last one. If you want more of this, go to see McBee. And I'm going to lose X amount of people who just don't do that. I understand it. It's fine. Again, I'm not, I'm not making tons of money off this quite yet. Last week in Ninja News Japan, I mentioned the ancient Gundam. And so this is, again, uh, throw out other podcast ideas. And Greg... Uh, a friend of mine, he mentioned, like, he said, the ancient Gundam should be a podcast. And I was like, I don't know what it'd be about, but actually that's a really good name for Ninja News Japan. I talked about the names of podcasts on Ninja News Japan this morning as well. But then I was like, ah, oh, you know what, you've, the first thing you would actually 
there's two things you could do with Ancient Gundam. One would actually be to make an Ancient Gundam story. Where, So my idea was there's an Ancient Gundam made of wood uh, and it's hidden under Mount Fuji. And only the one of the true bloodline, because I was actually talking about the, the Imperial family and all the dumb stuff they care about in Japan when it comes to the Imperial family. Like, they want to keep the Imperial family and they care about who the next emperor is, despite the fact it does not matter. It gets into bloodlines and stuff, and so the bloodline becomes very important, and they only want to go through the paternal side. They don't want to do the maternal side, and that's a big issue. And, oh, my God, what happens if there's no emperor? And I'm like, but this is your own fault because you're not going to let someone else take the reins if you've run out of heirs. I, again, am so anti-status uh, quo, I guess. Not really, but in this, in stuff like this, it's like if you have an emperor, I would really, you've had an emperor for a really long time, I would really like to see an empress. I think that would be really interesting. I think it'd be more fun. I think it would be, again, it's not a particularly important position because it's all ceremonial. But the one true bloodline is the only way you can get to the ancient Gundam. And the only one with the ancient bloodline can pilot the Gundam. So you're looking for the one like in the Matrix or something. And I thought this would actually be a really good anime you could make. Because of course, it's not someone who directly comes from the royal family. Otherwise, there'd be no mystery. So this kid grows up in Japan and he doesn't realize he's special or important, which is how every anime begins. And then he discovers he has a, like like abilities, as in he can interact with ancient Japanese things, and he really has like he he really knows what good soba tastes like, or he can tell the difference between different kinds of ramen or something, stuff that Japanese people would care about. Uh, so you put those in there; those are hints that he's special, that he's the one. And then you take the one, and he, you get him to Mount Fuji, and he feels like a vibration, and and he he, he finds an ancient. When he approaches an ancient uh, like cave that's been sealed, he touches it and it glows. And then he goes in and he finds the ancient Gundam and he gets the ancient Gundam. And then I was kind of stuck because I hadn't actually set up an opponent or an enemy. So then my version of the anime just has him sitting in that and it closes and he dies and he starves to death in the ancient Gundam. Not a satisfying ending, but very much an ending the way I would write it. It would all be leading up to this joke of nothing happens. And the one is actually a curse. It actually means you're going to be stuck under Mount Fuji forever. The alternative was just the ancient Gundam. You could actually just make everything like from anime and stuff. And then like what would be the ancient version of that? When they did Star Wars and they made the samurai armor for Star Wars, you could look at that up online. It does look cool. It's taking like futuristic stuff and making it ancient. It's it's a pretty solid mashup of ideas. Uh, so if you want to... Yeah, Take that and run with it. I am not starting anything new. I'm going to have C. McBee. I'm going to have Ninja News Japan. And I'm going to... I've been writing some more daily affirmations weekly. But I mean, I, rec- I can record 20 or 30 of those in like a, an afternoon, in an hour, because they're only about a minute long each. Um, often not even that. Yeah, while I was out walking Dave... I had a bunch of ideas basically for more podcasts, but uh, I can't do it. So if you want to take a, take any of those ideas, I'm not going to like come after you litigiously. Uh, take any of those ideas, run with it. If you're successful, a shout out would be more than enough. Tell them to come to C. McBee and not Veloci Podcast, and uh, I'd be pretty happy. I watched a movie. 
which is not a surprise. A significant number of these podcasts have been about movies I've watched. I watched a movie. Now, this was a movie, and I think it was the most 80s thing I've ever seen, but it was produced in 2021. And it had the only modern twist. It was essentially post-apocalyptic, but the only modern twist was the apocalypse was caused by a virus. I actually watched two virus-oriented movies recently. Uh, One had John Malkovich as the bad guy, which just threw me for a curve because I see him and I think of a fairly high-status actor. This is sort of the Bruce Willis uh, famous guy who's just doing it for a buck, clearly just doing it for a buck because he basically uh, barely got out of the, the truck he was sitting in for the whole movie. John Malkovich is the bad guy threw me off. So I saw this I saw this other movie and it was I as I said before, um, I tend to do things thematically. So I was doing movies where the the apocalyptic event was actually coronavirus, but they don't say coronavirus. So actually the second movie they do. But the first movie is just a virus and it kills like X amount of people and this guy's like holed up and then this girl has uh, the cure in her body she's immune and so the guy wants to get her strangely the exact same basic plot for the other movie i watched which was the most 80s movie i ever saw and i just i then thought like how many movies in this year and then the next two or three years are going to be based on the plot of a virus wipes out most of the people on earth there's one person who's immune or a vaccine can be created from their blood or something and then people are trying to get that person they literally said Okay, it's the second movie. I'm not going to refer to it as the second movie. I forget the name of the first movie. It's actually the John Malkovich problem. Is I forget the name of the movie he's in. It was pretty forgettable. The second movie was called Last Man Down. Which I keep saying Last Man Standing because that's a, a Bruce Willis movie based off uh, Yojimbo, which is actually one of my favorite films. Yojimbo, the samurai movie, not Last Man Standing, which was actually still an okay movie. It uh, just needed some work. So Last Man Down. Uh... I, I actually sent messages to friends and said, like, give me some 80s cliches, 80 buff guy action movie cliches. And everything someone came back with, which actually wasn't very much, everything someone came back with was in this film. The first one, quite funny, funnily, was actually Tank Top. The hero wears a tank top. And I was like, yes, the hero literally wears basically a tank top through, tank top through the whole thing. Uh... And then someone said shower scene. I said there was not only a shower scene, there was male butt, which would be very advanced for the 80s, and female butt. And then I got, oh, there's a girl in it, and her hair, despite it being like sort of the apocalypse, is fairly well taken care of. And it was shiny and bright, and everything was really well taken care of, so that was good. And then I had a couple of cliches I had to throw in myself after I realized. So, the, of course, uh, the hero is ex-military. If you go back and watch the Steven Seagal, or listen, if you go back and listen to the Steven Seagal game that I played with uh, Tommy and Matt, you'll actually hear that after a while we got into a joke of of every time he goes, oh, ex-military or ex-seal or ex-something like that. That was a really common. So this guy, of course, was ex-military. The weirdest thing to me, and it wasn't bad, it was just odd, uh, in this movie, None of the main characters seem to be native English speakers. They speak English well, but they all have accents. So the main dude, I'm pretty sure, was Swedish. 
the main female who it was difficult to tell if she was the love interest or the like paternal love interest like he's old enough that he could see her as a daughter but he was also young enough and she was old enough that they could have been a love interest kind of thing they do do the shower scene and in the shower scene they give a look to each other like something's gonna happen but then nothing happened which caused me confusion because at least in the 80s it was very blatant like it just happened if you were going to do like a, a sex scene, you got you always got to see some boobies but you got to see some lady button man butt which is good i'm glad everyone got a little bit of butt in there so no one was a native english speaker now you have the main guy and the main bad guy and they look nothing alike uh the the bad guy is tall dark got a big beard black beard um it seems like if you're going to survive the coronavirus apocalypse in this film, you probably were on steroids because everyone in their military organization was gigantic. This was almost like a G.I. Joe scenario. And they had the one woman in there, and I was like, well, the woman's going to fight the woman, which actually didn't happen. That was a big twist because uh, the woman didn't actually really fight anybody. That's a bit of a spoiler, but I don't think you're going to watch this movie, so it's not a big deal. The only twist I could think of left was at the very end you find out that the the main character and his antagonist, the bad guy, were brothers. And I was like, but they look too different. And they've done nothing to set that up. And then there's a fight at the end. So they like standing around, all the soldiers are standing around and this is like an honor fight kind of thing. And he calls him little, uh, he calls him brother a couple of times. And I thought, oh, because they used to be in the military together. They're like spiritual brothers. And then, nope, turns out he goes, dad always liked you better. And I was like, what? but they didn't get two actors that even look similar. Like they're not even of the same palette, if I'm being honest. Uh, unless one was adopted, they just, it did not make sense. Uh, but it did the like 20 guys shooting machine guns at one person and no one seems to hit him. And then the hero turns around and shoots like a pistol and like every shot takes a guy down. It was very sort of, uh, I guess not even A-team. The A-team, if you're as old as I am, the A-team was on TV and very quickly you realized they would take AK-47s, apparently that was the popular gun at the time, and they would shoot a full clip at someone and not even come close to hitting them. And then, because they didn't kill anyone on TV back then. It's actually something people don't realize. Like a show like The A-Team, which was kind of four kids, you couldn't kill anybody, so they would knock them into the water. That happened a lot. There were a lot of fights on docks. And, and on the dock, you could always knock someone into the water, which was very exciting. Um, it almost, I guess, implies death because they hit the water and they don't come up again. Or you do, man, this is now getting into how old I am. The Dukes of Hazard. I think I'm just talking about TV tropes now. They used to do crashes and the car chasing them would crash into the water and then they would stop and check that the people in the other car were okay. And then they would show the guys crawling out of the car, getting out as the car was slowly sinking, showing that they had not been injured or hurt too badly, that everyone was safe. The crashing cars was fun and this was something we ought to be doing in our entertainment, as, as entertainment. Jumping over. Do, 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 do. If you are young, as in under 40, I think would be appropriate. Uh, that would be worth looking up online. I bet there's actually like a clip of them stopping and looking back and making sure that the people they just killed are actually fine and then it turns out they're just fine. I thought when I saw Last Man Down, like, could I write this? And I think if I got drunk with someone of a similar age, so I get over 40, 
And I sat down and we both had a couple cocktails. I said, let's write the most 80 things, like 80s movie ever made. It's going to star a big buff dude. Doesn't have to speak English. Um, the other thing about his lines, I actually should pull those up if I have time. The other thing about his lines is every line was delivered as if it was the tagline of the movie. And it was trying to be super cool and gruff, but it was like constantly difficult to hear. And I think it was supposed to be cool and then it didn't turn out to be cool, which was a concern. I'm talking to you. You've seen a girl. She's a threat. Infected. He's cutting wood. With the virus. Superman. You know. He's got a shirt off. Wearing dog tags. You're the first fox I've seen in ages. Since the virus. You know. Search your place. But his like growly voice, that's every line. See if I get another line. He doesn't speak much. He's supposed to be sort of stoic, so. So I think he's Swedish. She's uh, Italian. Don't know where the big dark dude is from, but clearly not the same place as our hero. And so I would like to collect, it has to be buff dudes. It has to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Sylvester Stallone, buff dude action movies, all the tropes, and then see if they're in there. And then I think if I sat down with someone else and we got really drunk and we tried to write the most 80s movie humanly possible, I think it would be something akin to Last Man Down. And I actually think it would probably be better because we'd be like, not every line has to be the tagline. Let's, let's remember that. And if his voice is so gruff you can't understand it, then most of his lines are throwaways and don't mean anything anyways. Do not see Last Man Down unless you really know what you're in for. Weirdly related to topic uh, number one for today was about how I I don't really care for the status quo. Uh, I think changing stuff up is good. Uh, Someone sent me this, uh, knowing that every single item on here would piss me off. It was, uh, what are social conventions that people are tired of or I think we should get rid of? And uh, I think my rage at some of these was, you know, unbalanced or disproportionate. Uh, The first one, giving greeting cards for every single event imaginable. Why pay $5 to give someone a piece of paper that will get thrown out the next day? I'd rather you give me $5 and skip the card. I actually find greeting cards offensive. And I've said many times, I'm not an environmentalist, but I do fall into the same activities as environmentalists because I despise waste. So yeah, I think you should use, if you're going to use paper, it should be double-sided. I think you should recycle because, uh, and I'm not thinking like to save the environment. I'm thinking because it's wasteful not to recycle. I think we should use renewable energy because it's renewable and therefore it will be more efficient over time. I think uh, fossil fuels, because they're going to run out. So why continue to use something that you know is going to run out? That's just illogical to me. A greeting card is something that they put into an envelope and mail to you. And then you get it. They're always shit. There's, I've never in my life had a greeting card that I thought was good. So some, you know, really cheesy picture. They open it up. It's a very lame joke. Because again, they have to be relatively family friendly most of the time because they're greeting cards. The person writes, you know, I love you or happy birthday or some crap like that. They might mean it. 
I'm not offended by that part. But then uh, the first thing is like, I just want to throw it immediately in the garbage. I've looked at it. I'm going to throw it away. And I've had people say like, you can't just throw it away. And I'm like, but I'm not going to look at it again. How long is it appropriate to keep a greeting card? How long are you obligated? Maybe that's even a better word. How long are you obligated to keep something like a greeting card before it becomes garbage? Because to me, the instant I've seen it, it's fulfilled its purpose. I have seen the card. Therefore, it is no longer a necessary item to exist. And I want to get rid of it. I want it out of my house. That level of waste bothers me. Uh, I would actually prefer an email. I would prefer something digital so there's no technical... I know there's electricity and stuff, but my computer's already on. So there would be no real waste at all. Greeting cards are disgusting. And then there's people who keep them. It's just paper that is not recyclable. That's, again, the issue that I have with it. It's something you take, you look at it, you throw it in the garbage. I might as well, the person who buys it, pays $5, takes it home and throws it in the garbage. Why waste my time? That's problematic because it goes in the garbage so quickly. Or you do what a lot of people I've seen do, you keep them. And then they go in like a folder or they go into a file folder for weeks and weeks and weeks or years and years and years. And then later, like 10 years later, you throw them out en masse. But how is that better? Because I would actually rather not have that stuff in my house. So get rid of that. I'm absolutely never send a greeting card ever again. If you're going to spend five and sometimes I've seen them like $10, just give me 10 bucks. I would, I could go get a lunch for that. Why would I want a card instead of lunch? Uh, The next one is expensive funerals, which I agree with because uh, funeral parlors are predatory. They are, you are at your weakest. Someone you love probably has just died. You're emotionally uh, insecure. You're weak, essentially, uh, which means you are ripe for exploitation. I have actually said to my wife, so my, when I die, I'm not living in Canada, so that's problematic, but when I die, I have donated my body to my university. So if I was in Canada when I died, I would not have a funeral. My body would go to the hospital, and then the hospital, would they check the papers, would go to my university, and then they would probably not do, like it would be like medical students would practice on my body, or uh, they might do some other experiments with it. Then it gets cremated, and then the ashes get sent to my next of kin or whoever wants it. Uh, and I've actually informed my family, I don't want you to keep that. I want you to just, don't flush it down the toilet, but, you know, throw it in the in the forest, uh, on a mountain, in the water. I don't really care. Uh, just get rid of it. And cardboard box is fine. Don't need anything wood. Don't need anything too fancy. We could make a, a box out of all the greeting cards that I've been given in my life, and that would be weirdly appropriate to store my ashes in so they would be with me forever. In Japan, they have shrines. So you have a little thing in your house, and Uh, for a family member and they usually put a picture in there and then people actually on holidays and stuff go and pray at the shrine and those things are crazy expensive so I had a conversation again with my wife and kids to make sure they knew that I do not want one of those I do not want a shrine in the house that costs any money if you made one out of like driftwood and garbage or something I would be okay with that 
again, out of old greeting cards, you know, we found a purpose for the greeting cards. You build a shrine to me out of the greeting cards, and that would be okay. But just, yeah, just like, because they have like gold enamel on it. And of course, they're trying to make it look as fantasy as possible so they can charge you as much as they can. And these cost like millions and millions of yen. It's thousands and thousands of dollars. That's it's insane. Why would you have that for someone who's never going to see it or enjoy it? This takes us to a secondary issue. Uh, recently, uh, a couple months ago, Sean Locke died. He's one of my favorite comedians. Norm MacDonald died, and I've seen some, a couple other famous people. Whenever a famous person dies, all these people come out and talk about how much they loved him. And it bugs me a little bit because I'm like, it would have been a really nice thing to say to the person while they were alive. And I'm just as guilty as anyone else, but it's almost like you have to die before you get recognized or accepted or appreciated. Uh, but then you're not there to see it anymore. So for all the people who do listen to Velocipodcast, podcast, uh, if you have a favorite actor or a favorite artist or a favorite musician, throw something up on the internet or send them a message or something about how much you enjoy their content or what they've made for you. I think it would be more valuable to do while they still can, you know, take in that message as opposed to, waiting till they die and saying, I really loved your whole career to a bunch of people who are just like, yeah, it's a very popular topic right now. Next one is sleep deprivation pride. And it's like people saying like, I only slept like two, three hours. I only slept four hours. They're proud of it. And that is weird. Like I've always actually gotten a ton of sleep and people say that to me and I tell them how much I sleep. And they're always like, they act like I'm lazy, which is odd. So yeah, taking pride in not having healthy habits actually would be a a broader version of the same topic because it's like oh yeah i smoke and you're proud of it now i'm not saying you shouldn't smoke if you want to smoke go ahead but it's not something to be proud of i drink coke that's probably my biggest vice uh i am not proud of the fact i drink coke it's not doesn't make me better than anyone else but it's weird it's it's also like drinking so i drink real lot okay but that's again not something to be proud of and sleep deprivation, and I work too much, and I have poor work-life balance is not something to be proud of. Uh, oh, this one I actually get, get. I think I've actually talked about this on Velocity Podcast before. Not talking about salaries is a social convention. And I actually think that is a mistake. I don't think it's necessarily... Uh, it's a topic that only benefits the company if you never talk about it. So if I'm working with five other people who do the same or similar work that I do, and we're all getting different paychecks. It actually is disparate, and it means it's unfair to someone. It might be me, but it might be someone else. And that fairness, is, uh, that unfairness, is only held in place because we don't share that information. And society has groomed us to not say how much we make, and it's so that if you make a lot, you can be like, oh, you know, I don't want people to judge me. If you don't make very much, you don't want people to judge me because of it. But that silence benefits companies who can then try to pay some people who maybe have higher skill sets, lower amounts of money than someone else who's just been at the company longer. Uh, they can try to abuse the system. And so I actually have no problem talking about how much money I make uh, to someone. Again, I wouldn't do it right now on the internet, showing that there is still some censorship, some social convention in place. But if I was talking to a coworker, I actually would have very little problem telling them how much I made. Um, and I would expect them to tell me the same because I can probably guess, but I work at a company where the pay grades are kind of standardized. 
But there are lots of companies, kind of like airlines, how every seat, the person sitting next to you, it's the exact same seat, the exact same row, has probably paid a completely different price. And it could be way better, it could be way worse. But if we talked about stuff like that more, I think you could get more even pricing and more even pay scales across the board. Being nice to customers that act shitty, I mean, I don't think you should be nice to anyone who acts shitty ever. Uh, I've held back. Ah, man, I do. I want to lay into people. I think there's people in the world who walk around and everyone's kind of, they're not nice to them. They're neutral. Uh, They're not, they don't call them out. I think maybe calling people out on being shitty would be better. The problem is, it's very easy for that to go too far the other direction. So that's something to be careful of. Uh, Engagement rings. I fell into this trap and I did all the conventions. And this was because I was doing it for uh, the person I was with. It was for them, not for me. Clearly, if it was for me, I would want almost nothing. But then I realized like the amount of money I spent on a ring uh, was equivalent to a small car at that time, which was great. She was very happy when she got the ring. She got to show off to her friends and she wore that ring. I think we were engaged for six months and then we got married and then she took the ring off and put it away and we've never seen it since. And we've never seen it since because she doesn't, it's not like a daily wear kind of thing. She doesn't want to break it or lose it or have the diamond fall out. So again, it's kind of like the greeting card. It's gone into a drawer. It is not used. I'm very big on usage. If it doesn't get used, I don't think it has value. So like people have expensive things that they put in a case, like even like things like toys. If you're not going to play or touch with the, the toys, you're not going to play with the toys or touch the toys or do anything with the toys, I don't actually see why you have toys. You might notice behind me is a very barren room, and that's because if it doesn't have utility... I kind of don't want it. I want things that I use. And again, this goes into everything I said at the beginning, recycling, uh, making things. I'm not an environmentalist. I just hate waste. So I've had a few friends get married since I got married, and they asked me like, oh, you know, general advice. What should I do? What should I not do? And And one of the things I said, do not buy a diamond ring. And they go, oh, but, you know, there's an expectation. I go, well, think about it. You are about to get married. You're about to engage on this this path together into the future. Your lives and finances and everything are going to be bound together. Is it more valuable for her to to have a ring that she can wear for six months, as it was in my case? uh, Or would it be more valuable to take the exact same amount of money you were willing to spend on that ring and put it into a bank account for some larger thing done in the future? Something more useful to you, let's say... um, a car. So like I said, if you saved that money for a couple of years, you could buy a nice car. That would be something useful to both of you. You would get a lot more out of it than a diamond ring. Uh, you could go wait a couple of years, put it in the bank, probably go on a really nice holiday, take time off. If you put it into a, my actual thought now is you should take that ring money, put it into a retirement savings of some sort, and maybe even retire one or two years earlier together, therefore giving you more actual lifetime together compared to is if you had just bought a ring that she wore for six months and then put away. Uh, and yes, the three-month salary thing, that was all just made up by jewelers and stuff. That's all advertising. Uh, I fell for it. 
again, I don't judge people for falling for advertising. Uh, I've had a couple conversations in different classes with students about advertising and brand loyalty and stuff. And I very confidently said, like, I am not really loyal to any brand. And then we started talking about it. I realized, like, all my shoes are Adidas and all my sports clothes are Under Armour. And I realized it wasn't uh, loyalty to the company that caused me to buy those specific brands, but it was because within my social circle, which is all fighters and judo guys and stuff like that, that's what they wear. And unconsciously, I still want to fit in with them. So I end up wearing clothes that are similar to theirs. I always noticed I took it a little different, but the brands were the same. And that, it's always sports brands for sure which was interesting because that was a bit of a revelation that I had all these branded clothes, but it was just sports clothes. So I didn't think about it as sort of my daily wear. Oh, the last one's actually good. I live in Japan, so this isn't a thing, but tipping. Uh, Japan, there's no tipping and it makes just going out. You don't have to do any math. I actually now have been away from North America so long that I don't actually know what an appropriate tip is. I think I've heard that 10 is low. I think when I was young and going out and eating, it was 15% was high. Now it sounds like it's almost 20, 25% to make sure that the staff who have served you have gotten a fair wage. In Japan, minimum wage at a place like a restaurant or izakaya is more likely a place I would go to. Uh, is It has to be Minimum wage is fair. I'm not going to say it's awesome. You're not going to live like a glorious life, but you can live. Uh, unlike North America, where apparently they're paying like less than minimum wage because you're expected to make it up in tips, which is unfair. And it's a dumb system. It's weird that it ever exists in the first place. And then restaurant owners are like, oh, well, we'd have to raise our prices. It was like, yeah, well, raise your prices and pay people properly. And people don't come. That's going to be on you. But... Yeah, tipping's always been weird. I've never known, because again, you get average service so often because that's average. I don't think exceptional service is common, but then how much, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. And so now actually when I go back to visit Canada, when I visit family and stuff, I really try to avoid going out to eat at a restaurant or something because I have no idea how much to tip anymore. It's been so long. I've lived in Asia where the, it's just not something you do and it is so much better. But yes, I have a belief that many, many conventions should die. Many, many things like that should be gone away with because it's some kind of construct but it's usually a construct that hasn't benefited people. And if it doesn't benefit people... I don't really understand why we're doing it. And it goes back to greeting cards, man. The only person who gets something out of the greeting card is the greeting card company because you're just going to throw it away. I'm just going to throw it away, be it today or 10 years from now. Okay, I have one piece of administration that I have failed to do, uh, which I have in my head promised myself to do. I'm going to throw a link into into the podcast description when it goes up. But, the theme song was written by a friend of mine called Nigel Grover. Oh, I didn't. He did it as just a favor. I didn't ask him to do it. He just showed up one day. He's like, hey, I made this song for you. That is the theme song for The Lost Podcast. It has been for the entire five years I've been doing the podcast. Uh, I've He gave me a track without the um, things I say in it. Oh, let me actually get there. I'll play. I'll play a little bit. 
Hey, sexy friend. So like where I say, hey, sexy friends and stuff, he actually gave me a version without that in it so that I could put in my own. So I could actually update it technically weekly. I just never had the time to actually do it. But I mean, it was the kind of thing that's really nice. Uh, if you go to distrokid.com slash hyperfollow slash Nigel Grover, so you can see it on the screen if you're watching on Twitch or on YouTube, uh, he has an album out called These Two Lives. Was it all in my head? The monsters Put a whole, he's got a couple albums, but this is his latest one. Put the album up. Uh, he does a variety of different music. You can see that is a very different style from the theme song. So he's clearly got a, a talent that goes across genres, which I really appreciate. I never thanked him properly. So uh, as again, Veloc Podcast winds down. I think we got seven episodes left before the end of it. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to Nigel for making the theme song. It's been amazing to have that just it branded the podcast for a really long time and it made it really recognizable to people who listen to it. And just that opening, that became, it just was bookended my life in that way. So I really appreciate that. You're going to listen to that, what, like seven, eight more times? And then then, then we're moving on world-wise. And that's where I'm going to finish this podcast. The loss of podcast. The loss of podcast. Hey, sexy friend. He's making me his bitch. Maybe want to get a piece of that. Pretty good. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you get podcasts. You can also watch on YouTube slash Podcast or streaming on twitch.tv slash chest. You can find Ninja News Japan on Facebook. Send questions or comments to speakpipe.com slash VelociPodcast. Link in the description. Check out all the podcasts in the VelociPodcast family. See McBee, Ninja News Japan and Daily Affirmations Weekly. Don't buy greeting cards. Next time you are in a place that sells them, just stop, look at them, the horror, the nightmare that is shelf after shelf of pointlessness. Which is what they are. If you care about someone, call them, send a message. Don't send them a pre-packaged message written by a buffoon in the lab, genetically grown to have no sense of humor.